As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, listener. I'm Carl Anker and welcome to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. This week, Manchester United are good, really good. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer celebrates his two-year anniversary of victories over Leeds United and Everton in the League Cup. Uh, as ever, to help me talk about all things Manchester United, I'm joined by Laurie Whitwell, my fellow Manchester United beat reporter. Laurie, how are you doing? I'm good, Carl. I'm good. I enjoyed that. I had a, a couple of uh, cracker and, and ginger beers whilst watching it, so I'm a little bit lubricated, but it, it enhanced the experience for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm positive. I think that was an enjoyable game. It was. It's a lot of fun. Tis the season and Manchester United seem to be giving gifts of decent performances all of a sudden. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give the proper intro now to the man, the legend, the editor of United We Stand, who also is a contributing writer to The Athletic. It's Mr. Andy Mitten. Andy, how are you? I'm okay, thanks, Carl. I enjoyed uh, Manchester United reaching the semi-final tonight. Uh, left it late, but... Brilliant finish from Cavani, and it took some time. I thought United started the game really well, but uh, I'm okay and looking forward to the chat now. I really enjoyed how your tweets during the Leeds game got shorter and shorter as United scored more goals. Uh, you're normally you're quite a verbose tweeter and comments about how the game is going, but you simply went three nil Man United, four nil Man United. I'm ah. And he's having a good time. Do you want to know the story with that? Right? <laughs> I, I worked out that... <laughs> There's always a story. <laughs> I worked out that the game was nine seconds ahead of the feed. So okay. I was counting it. So I just Who thought, works that out? I'm sorry, who <laughs> works out that nine seconds? Did you have a stopwatch? Just, just, just geeks like me who was, who was watching it. And I thought, if I put one nil, then that'll get out there ahead of anything else because it'll take nine seconds for the rest of the world. And then I thought... I'm bringing the team good luck here, two nil, three nil, four nil, and uh, yeah, I mean it's not a very good story, but that's that's the truth of it. There you have it. Did you not put exclusive in front of it? If you were nine seconds ahead of the rest of the world, you know, like <laughs> like club websites do when they've got in-house interviews, exclusive United four nil. Yeah, yeah. I did realise when I was covering the Sheffield United victory, I was around about twelve seconds behind watching on Amazon. So. Uh, yeah, I yeah, can't Amazon really say. slow. Yeah, you had problems with Amazon. But we're not here to talk about various streaming services. Well, we are mm. here to talk about our Manchester United's performance in the League Cup, as well as the big win over Leeds on the weekend. Listener, before we get started, just a little bit of admin for the show. 
This episode is going to be the final show of 2020. We'll be giving you our Manchester United Christmas wishes for next year. Talking a little bit about some very, very interesting things, United past, present and future. And also, as ever, before we get started, I need to remind you of a deal. Right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can get another subscription for free as a gift. It's the perfect last minute present for any football fan this Christmas. Mm. And we mean last minute because mm-hmm. by the time this episode gets in your hands, it's Christmas Eve. So uh, you can enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around the world. Uh, so just go to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up. I must admit, I have gifted a subscription to someone last minute as a gift because I forgot. There's always one uncle I forget. So my uncle George can enjoy that and read all about <laughs> a football club I'm not going to tell on this podcast because it's not United. Right then, let's start with the League Cup. Laurie, can I offer you a cup of Carabao at this trying time? <laughs> I don't think I need any more energy, to be fair. Um, and I've had one of those as well when I was at a match previously. That they, you know, when you're at the games, you know, obviously they they furnish the uh, press room with lots of cups of Carabao, uh, uh, tins rather, cans, cans of Carabao. <laughs> anyway, you no, know, yeah. So I think I've had enough of of, uh, of drinks tonight. But yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a really good game. Started with purpose. Started with intensity. It could have been two or three, you know, in the first 20 minutes, couldn't it, with a bit more finishing. And to be fair, Greenwood's header was was a really good header that obviously just clicked the post um, and then settled into the game. Everton are a good team. You know, they're not going to just, you know, turn up and let United walk all over them. They sort of stayed strong. and But it never felt like they were really going to go for it. You know, it felt like it was going to be penalties if they were going to win the game. And, you know, Solskjaer sent on the subs to actually try and win the game in normal time. And they went and did it. You know, I know it was Cavani that scored the, the crucial goal goal which was an incredible finish really but um you know it was the fact that Solskjaer had the impetus you know united with a team in possession trying to make things happen uh, i think it was a really good performance nine changes from the starting 11 that beat mm. leeds this is good now Andy, isn't it it's a bit weird united have strength in depth it's really good nine changes is incredible and i think it shows uh, the depth there as as you're mentioning uh, it's only six weeks since united went to everton with people saying that Ollie's job was under threat. I don't think it ever was under threat, but I work for different people and I had editors saying, you know, he's going to lose his job uh, within the next couple of weeks. And I said, well, I don't think he is at all. And my sources are good sources. And I genuinely didn't think that was going to happen. And United have have performed. There's been some setbacks. I think the, the big setback was going out of Europe against a team who we're not going to mention, but the league forms really picked up. Can't mention more than one energy drink on this podcast at that time. (laughs) (laughs) The the concern was the home form and then uh, that win against Leeds, just scoring those six goals, starting the game so convincingly, put people at ease a little bit. The away form continues to be fantastic uh, in the semi-final of a League Cup. But the football's good as well, Carl. Mm. I'm enjoying watching the team play. And there were times under Jose Mourinho and under Louis van Gaal where maybe... Uh, some of the results were being ground out, but I'm really enjoying Manchester United in the last month. And I'm also enjoying the fact that everyone else is dropping points. And you're seeing the league table looking as it does now. Liverpool are not running away like they did last year. And I don't think United will be champions this year. But United keep on winning. They are the form team. The goals are coming from around the pitch. There's room for improvement. We could talk about Anthony Martial for 20 minutes and say, uh, what's he doing wrong and where where he's got to improve. But the big squad is there. You can see bringing Cavani, he scores that fantastic goal. 
Uh, I'd love to see the fans coming back. I was at Goodison tonight. You really notice a difference when there's a fan, when there are fans at, at the match. But you know, a week ago we were talking about the prospect of fans coming to see a game at Old Trafford. That's just darkened completely. That doesn't look imminent at all now. But there's lots of reasons to be positive with Manchester United at the moment, and uh, it, these these are good times. They really are. One of these big reasons, Bruno Fernandes, possibly the Premier League player of 2020. I'm going to say it. it. It's it's the United podcast, so we're going to say it. Bruno Fernandes was the best player in 2020 in the Premier League, uh, who started against Everton. Surprised a number of people, considering Manchester United have the early kickoff against Leicester City, which Oli brought up twice, both in the television press conference and again in his press conference with myself. Uh, Andy, I know you had a chat with a couple of people after the game. United have to play Leicester, Wolves, Aston Villa, Manchester City now, because Man City's have just been drawn in the League Cup semi-final, and Watford between now and the 9th of January. Did anyone sound knackered after the game? Apart from Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold there and it was raining and Ollie who I spoke to, brought up that 12.30 kickoff again. I didn't bring it up. So the Leicester game at the weekend, with that early kickoff, it's something he feels very sore about. Mm -hmm. And he did do before he went public. Again, that was at Everton the last time. I knew for weeks beforehand, and I wrote in The Athletic, how he felt about that early kickoff time. The fixtures are unrelenting. And if the team are going to do successful, as we all hope, it's going to carry on like this. And... I don't think a few people have said to me it's really difficult for the players. No one, ha no one has any sympathy for these multi-millionaire footballers. And Ollie's trying to make use of the squad. And I saw when the team went out tonight, there were a few grumbles. Why is Bruno Fernandes playing? Is going to be exhausted. <laughs> I, I think that Ollie's right to try and win this competition to get a trophy. That will help him a lot. The Carabao Cup is not the European Cup. It's not the Premier League. But I'm all for him trying to win a trophy. I do think it's important using his squad wisely because it is unrelenting and it, the games are coming and they're just not going to stop coming. I think after that last international break, I think we said on this podcast, it's now three or four months with games all of the time. And yes, the Carabao semi-final is only one-legged. These are small mercies and maybe it's a price of being successful um, but the Europa League, that's two more games on top of what would have happened in the Champions League if United would have continued to be successful there. So this squad is absolutely needed. One thing United, I think, have been quite lucky on is injuries. There's not been serious injuries which have affected other clubs. There's always one or two injuries, but I think United have had quite a good run there. A lot of games, they're going to come thick and fast. And of those nine changes, we saw starts from Axel Tuanzebi at right back, Donny van der Beek on the left side of midfield, and of course, Eskivani leading the line. Laurie, do you think anyone off this Everton game has played themselves into starting contention for some of these league games coming up? Well, I suppose it's, it's diff you know, Solskjaer will change. You know, we've got so many fixtures coming up that I think Solskjaer will change his team depending on who the op opposition is. Edison Cavani has shown again what a clinical striker he can be. I know that he missed a couple of chances in the first half that Solskjaer referenced after the game, but the way he took that, you know, decisive goal was, in a way, I, I don't know if you know, Rashford or Marshall would, would take a goal just quite like that. You know, you sense that he was ready to pounce. And so against certain teams, he will be, he'll start games, you know, for certain. Um, I actually quite liked Axel, Axel Twanzebi at right back. I know that's not his usual position. You know, he's a centre-back, but getting minutes because he's a quality player and, 
you know, I've, I've wanted to see more of him since that PSG game, and I thought he did. I thought he did well out of position. Uh, we've seen Everton, you know, enjoy having centre backs across the the back four, you know. So having Axel Twenzebe a right back, it, it feels like it's a decent position for him. You know, the speed that he has, he had some good interchanges up that flank. Um, you know, Donny van der Beek didn't do an awful lot again, um, and I I like him as a player. I think he's got a lovely touch and lovely movement, but I wonder if he he plays it first time too many times you know he sort of I don't know a couple of times I thought maybe he could have taken control of it and turned and, and, and driven whereas he sort of passed it back and popped it off and and that kind of um, stopped the movement going forward a little bit um, I mean it showed didn't it that Alex Tellers came off uh, you know in the last 10 minutes with Luke Shaw coming on clearly Luke Shaw is Solskjaer's preference at left back and I think we have seen the value of Shaw you know against Leeds um, you know since he's been out injured I think that he's, he's, his absence has shown that he is the the number one left back at the club. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you know against Spurs, he looked like you know could it could this be the end of Luke Shaw when you know he was out of position and, and was he physically in the right condition? I think he's shown that actually when he gets the ball and drives forward with it as he did against Leeds, you know for that time when he he, he nicked it and, and and drove through midfield, I thought it was you know a real example of the kind of quality that he can bring. And and I think there was a reason why Solskjaer brought him on. You know Alex Telles scores penalties, so you know you know. He would have been good in a penalty shootout, but actually Solskjaer thought, right, we've got 10 minutes to go, roughly, get Luke Shaw on because he's a better chance of us actually scoring a goal in normal time. Um, so I think that's probably about it. I mean, listen, Pogba's going to be in and out of the team, you know, continually as, as he already has been this season. But I, I think, you know, as you touched upon earlier, I think nine changes from a team that, that just won 6-2 at the weekend. You've got Harry Maguire and Bruno Fernandes starting. They're the only two people that, that stayed in the team and they just don't ever you know, get out of the team because <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking at the, the minutes played uh, by all players in the world, basically, and Harry Maguire's number one, 400, sorry, 4,745 minutes in 2020, and, and Bruno Fernandes fourth in 4,164 minutes with Ruben Diaz and, and Lionel Messi in between them. So that they they love playing football. You know, you've got Victor Lindelof actually in seventh place with you know 4,142 minutes. I'm just literally reciting numbers off this page here, so apologies <laughs> for that. Listen, um, if you're doing this right now, if you're anywhere near some wood, please knock on it because we need <laughs> to make. Think. Sure, those players need to stay fit. I was again. I had a little look at the um, Ollie's most used players from his last two years, and I was really surprised by how many minutes Lindelof has played. So yeah, mm. I have similar thoughts every now. I'm just reading the sheet, going, "Oh, well, he really likes Victor." He trusts him, doesn't it? And, and to be fair, I, mean, I mentioned this in the uh, sensible transfers piece that we got up today. You know, in terms of the centre back options and, and United cooling their interest, I suppose, in, in Deo Upamecano, or at least you know feeling like will we bid for him? You know, sort of taking a step back from those kind of conversations, whereas previously it felt like they were going to you know absolutely go for it. Solskjaer has shown faith in Lindelof quite a lot. I know he brought Eric Bailly into the team for the Spurs game. I mean that went pretty badly <laughs> but um, but but generally he's, he's trusted in Lindelof and actually against Sheffield United he showed his passing range against Leeds he showed his passing range and I think in most games he probably will be and you know he will be an asset to United and I think you know on you know looking forward that's what he can bring as a defender so yeah I mean he obviously him and him and Maguire you know have, have played together a lot of times now and you know they do they they will have moments where it doesn't look great because Maguire on the turn or or, or pace or or you know uh, Lindelof 
pressure in the box and, and physically not as strong as you perhaps might like. But actually, together, as they, they do kind of complement each other and, and going forward when they have most of the ball, they, they look quite good. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to Bruno Fernandes in a moment when we talk about our wishes for, for 2021. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I'm like you. I mean, listen, Maguire plays through injuries anyway. So I think even if he had, I mean, he played through an injury at the end of, uh, well, midway through last season when he had a hip problem and he was taking painkiller injections for a couple of months. So he is a guy that I think Solskjaer just, you know, knows he can rely on no matter what. And I think that's what I probably would, you know, lean back on when he does get criticism. And listen, it's fair criticism. He's had some really bad moments. And I think actually against Sheffield United, when he played the ball back to Dean Henderson, if he'd have actually turned and played it to Alex Tellers, that would have been you know, a simpler situation and, and I know it was probably Henderson's fault but it was for, for, for allowing Oliver Burke to take the ball off him but, you know, that that's a, a, an issue that, you know, we, we could look at Maguire for but actually in general, he puts himself, you know, through pain to play for United and I don't think you can discount that. I think that's the kind of quality that Solskjaer wants in his team and that's why you get moments like tonight where, you know, you've made nine changes, he stays in the same position and United win the game and it looks a, a good you know, professional performance from the from from the team. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Shall we talk about the other good professional performance Manchester United had? Yes. And I want to throw this one to you first. Manchester United 6, Leeds United 2. That was good, wasn't it? It was better than good. It was incredible. And it was a hugely entertaining game. Still not the same with fans. I know we talk about it all the time. It just isn't. And I know we're extremely fortunate to be inside these stadiums. But imagine what Old Trafford would have been like with fans, with 3,000 Leeds fans. There was a huge build-up to it because it's the one domestic rivalry where United have not met for so long against Leeds. There were a couple of cup ties, but there were no league games since 2003. League fans were feeling pretty cocksure because they've had some good results this season because they've got a, a really good manager and I can see why he's praised and I know there's a slight backlash against him this week. I've long been a fan of Bielsa and I think he adds to football. I think football should be entertaining and I thought the way that he approached the game at Old Trafford and uh, with Athletic, Bill Bow was was far better than what he did with, with um, Leeds United. But... I think the praise should be reserved um, more for Manchester United. The way the team started so well, McTominay was fantastic. That's the best performance I've seen from him. And for him to score goals as well was really important. There are times when I'm watching Manchester United and still getting nervous at the defence playing against Leeds United at home. And I think we just have to accept that this is a team in transition. The manager still wants to bring more players in. He's not getting carried away when people are talking about league titles. 
And there are hairy moments. This isn't a vintage Manchester United side yet. It's one which is coming together, which is improving, which is going to likely get more points than last season. Hopefully, there'll be uh, some cup wins as well. I think the signings made by the manager have largely been good. I was really pleased that Dan James played well because he's had a pretty rough time after a good start uh, when he first moved from Swansea. He was, of course, going to go to Leeds, so they could see what they were missing out on. Uh, I thought Patrick Bamford of Leeds spoke really well after the game. He was really articulate and talked about not changing uh, their style. Leeds United uh, were never going to win the league this year and a 6-2 result is, is horrific for them but if they didn't have Bielsa they probably wouldn't have been in the Premier League in the first place. They spent yep. a long time uh, trying to, to get back up. But yeah, 6-2 Brilliant. Just a shame that that would have sparked like spontaneous songs, which fans will be singing. And there's none of that because the fans aren't uh, at the game. But a fantastic result. Boosted the goal difference as well and saw another rise up the league table. There was a point around about 20 minutes into the game where I uh, texted Laurie in all caps, what is happening? What is happening? So, Laurie... What did happen? <laughs> you did, Carl. I think there was a question mark and an exclamation mark. The classic, uh, you know, example of when somebody's, you know, just not in short, you know, what is going on at all. Um, yeah, listen, I was surprised at the, the way they started, but I think the general way the game panned out was to be expected just because of the fact that Leeds were obviously going to come at United and... You know, everyone knows that United counter very well, and Solskjaer actually picked players that could keep the energy up with Leeds. So it wasn't like you know he said afterwards we needed to earn the right to play first, and they did do that. You know, McTominay has incredible endurance, speed, endurance. Dan James does that. I mean, people were asking about why he started Dan James, having not started him since October twenty fourth. Yeah, okay. So I suppose it's a bit of a, a quizzical one, but also at the same time, Bielsa did want him, and it wasn't a kind of sentimentality thing from Solskjaer. It was the fact that. At Actually, well, Bielsa wanted him for a reason because of the kind of qualities that he has as a player. So, actually, those qualities will work against the Bielsa side in terms of tracking, in terms of hurrying off the ball. And, yeah, he finished a, a good goal. He, he perhaps could have had a couple of other opportunities. He certainly shouldn't have been booked for, for diving when Liam Cooper came across and put his arm across his face. I mean, maybe it wasn't a foul, but it, it, how you can give that as a booking for simulation, I don't know. Um, so, you know, I think Solskjaer got his team spot on. In terms of the personnel, uh, you know, it was it was was it a brave call? No, it was it was the right call. It was what a manager <laughs> is paid to do. You know, pick pick a side that will beat the other side. Because I think if you're having a team against you that has you know energy and drive and, and wants to go man for man and wants to attack, well, actually, you know, United have better players than Leeds. Let's let's have this right. You know, Leeds have been promoted from the Championship where a couple of their players have played Premier League football before. So United should be beating a team like Leeds United. That's not being patronised into them that's just the reality of the situation and Solskjaer understood that and knew that actually if I pick players that can keep pace with them and not get overrun by the energy that they've got then we will win the game because we'll create chances and it could have been yeah Leeds could have scored more Jack Harrison should have scored Rafinha apart from David De Gea you know brilliant save should have scored 
Patrick Bamford probably could have had a couple, but United <laughs> should have had about five more. Marshall twice, Dan James, you know, uh, Rashford, you know, they, they could have been double figures seriously. And, and, you know, as my report for The Athletic mentioned, you know, often score six, seldom score 10 is, is a famous chant that United sing. And it includes, you know, the word leads in there as well as, as a little uh, response to local rivalries. And it generally could have been 10 because of, of the way the chances flow. And I think credit to Bielsa because... You know, I think Stu James wrote a piece for us about the fact that you know teams that get promoted could just try and survive, grind out those nil nils, or or nick a one nil away from home. Um, you know, Norwich were kind of a similar example last season, although probably not as front foot as Leeds are. And you know, Stu was saying, and, and I agree with him that actually football's about enjoyment and football's about belief and hope. And Leeds had hope for for a lot of that game. You know, it probably a reality. Lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I know they were three. I know they were three nil down after twenty minutes, but they were they kept going. It was four two when was it four two when Rafinha had had the chance, or it could have been it could have been made four two when Rafinha had the chance. I think so. Okay, maybe hope for a lot of the game is is pushing it a little bit, but at least they they felt like they were going to score, you know, and and they you never know when it's like that, and and that's what I think probably. I go back to his Solskjaer. I know that he's had moments and matches where uh, they have looked, you know. Yeah, pretty boring and pretty limited. I know there's been, you know, nil-nils at Old Trafford this season, one-nils, but I think generally he's always given United that hope and that kind of front-footedness that makes me think, actually, you know, United are never out of these games. You know, how many times they managed to make comebacks this season. I know last season was a, a real bugbear that they would go 1-0 down Newcastle, Bournemouth, for example, and it never looked like they were going to get back into it. He's changed the team, he's, he's made signings and the alterations have actually given the team belief. So I know that's a roundabout way to sum up what <laughs> happened uh, on, on Sunday. And listen, I enjoyed it. You know, we, we had a last chat, didn't we, Andy? You know, um, was it? It was before the game, wasn't it? That you managed to find me this time. I managed to say hello to you. I didn't. I didn't duck you like the last time we were at Old Trafford together, and uh, it was. You know, it, it, being there did feel different. You know, you, you saw the intensity of both sides. It, it, it looked like they were trying so hard throughout the whole game, and I was glad that we were right behind Bruno for that third goal because he just absolutely whacked it, and you could sense it was going to happen like that from the moment you know the ball rolled his way, and it was it was glorious to be right behind it. It was glorious. You wrote a fantastic piece about it, all about the the joy of Manchester United beating the man marking system. And I think what we're beginning to see is the re-emergence of Solskjaer's great coaching strength is he's genuinely a very good reactive coach in the big games. Big games like this, in quarterfinals such as this, Solskjaer knows how to set up a team to get the performance needed in those 90 minutes. Remains to be seen if he can repeat the trick on Saturday and again in a League Cup semi-final against Manchester City. But with United, with their tails up and in good form, I wouldn't bet against it. Now, by the time this is in your ear holes, listener, it will be Christmas Eve. I hope you have some form of a good Christmas plan with you, uh, COVID restrictions and whatnot. I'll be at home with the spreadsheets and the XG, but never mind. So let's talk about giving and gift giving and Christmas wishes. So on this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to tell our Christmas wishes for Manchester United. Uh, we're going to get two each, and I'm going to start with the one I bang on about for the last two and a bit years. I would really like it if Manchester United got a director of football for Christmas. Who who do you reckon, Carl? Or can you describe <laughs> what you, what what are you? Why are you saying that? Because I I, don't, I I I obviously agree, but I'm just curious. I I must admit my want for one has waned a bit recently. So if 
a certain sensible transfers article on the Athletic is to be believed. Manchester United could be finally in the market for a defensive midfielder. Um, <laughs> there's this, this, this caution being urged on that one, by the way, I have to say. There you have it. Uh, and uh, if Diallo, well, it looks as if Diallo will be secured uh, to play on the right wing for Manchester United as well. So Manchester United are building a very promising squad for Ollie. And I would like Ollie to just get more help. At this point in time, Ollie's definitely shown an eye for a player. And his windows and his approach to what sort of players he wants has been quite interesting to me. So you had his first summer window where he tried to get mostly British players who want to play for the Manchester United's shirt and then move on to this summer. And they look to get slightly more experienced players for a squad at an average age, age around 24. And now they seem to be acquiring some very, very talented teenage players, whether or not that's influenced by Brexit or not. This is nice in terms of buying players. Uh, and I just want someone else in there to make the uh, Jaden Sancho situation just a bit easier. So that would be my Christmas wish. Or be yours, Laurie. Well, I said uh, off air, I think, didn't I, that I would love Bruno Fernandes to be cloned. Uh, I, I don't know if we're, <laughs> we're allowed to say, you know, to, to play God in such eugenics kind of way. But um, I just think the way he approaches the game, listen, his passes don't always come off, do they? He definitely tries stuff and it, sometimes it looks horrendous, but a lot of the time it works and the I think just the general pressure that he applies to opponents, you know, can grind them down anyway. Um, the 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 kind of way that he approaches the game. I mean, we, there was that clip, wasn't there, from tonight's game? Nemanja Matic taking exception to something he must have said, <laughs> giving him a shove in the chest. And listen, that might, you know, maybe that's a little bit of an issue, but I, I I'm pretty sure that actually tomorrow it'll be fine. And that's what you want from a team, uh, you know, that want to strive to win things. You don't want people that are kind of happy with losing you know he, he wants to win and I think his attitude and his ability are great so if you could have another one of him fantastic Andy what's your first Christmas wish for Manchester United get the fans back football's more than about the game it's about everything that goes around it it's a community I think it's been tough on people who've I think watching the game on football is better than nothing but there's a whole ecosystem around not just Manchester United, but every football club. There's thousands of people who they just let on to each other. They don't know each other's names. It's all right, mate. Oh, it's just yeah. somebody from it's just somebody from the game, somebody from the match. I walked down Market Street yesterday yesterday in Manchester with my mum and it was a miserable day. And found myself letting on to five or six people. And my mum said, Who's that? And with three of them, um, I didn't know the names, but I know them from the games and I know that I like them and I know I've seen them for years at matches and these things matter. And I know it's difficult for the vast majority of Manchester United fans to go to games and I'm proud of the worldwide support that Manchester United have. And even within those pockets of fans all around the world, I've met communities who meet up, whether it's in Bangalore or it's the Dallas Reds, and they've been unable to meet up. Um, I'm not saying those two specifically because of the restrictions that have gone on in this really tough year. So fans back, yeah, at the stadium, but also where fans can meet each other, uh, can socialise and, and can develop the and continue the friendships that have come about through their mutual appreciation of, of following a usually great football team called Manchester United. Andy? 
I've been living in Manchester for a couple of months now, and I've yet to watch Manchester United in the pub. Can you recommend one for me to go to when COVID is not a thing anymore? I will do, and I would have seen you this weekend if we would have been able to to meet up, and <laughs> the restrictions wouldn't have started coming down. And a week ago, I was writing about you know the tier two and fans coming back and stuff, and then. Wednesday, uh, Sunday, European countries started closing the border downs and travel has been an absolute logistical nightmare. And I sit here overlooking the Liver building and the River Mersey, not quite sure what my plans are on Christmas Eve. And I filled out a whole number of forms to continue traveling. Things will get better, Carl. I'll take you to a pub in Manchester. Manchester's got some fantastic pubs. It's also lost some really good pubs. And... It, that's been really sad to see as well. There's a load of decent United pubs, obviously the ones close to the stadium, but there's good ones like the old Nags Head in, and the Rising Sun in the centre of Manchester where you'll have red-friendly landlords. So it will happen. Hopefully it'll happen before the end of this season and maybe we'll even have a genuine title race. I didn't couldn't see that coming at the start of this season and I know we're only 13 games in. But it's looking encouraging at the moment. And once I think the vaccine starts to work for a sufficient number of people and people can go back into pubs, then it's a, it's a, it's a city with great pubs and you will enjoy it, especially watching a big United match when everyone's on it and hopefully watching some great football. I look forward to it. I've got one more Manchester United wish and it touches on what you just said there about a title race. I would really like it if Manchester United's women's team could maintain their form in the tight race in the Super League. Manchester United women's are currently top of the Super League at time of reporting. Casey Stoning doing an incredible job. The right blend of uh, youth and experience in a team that just hopefully, if squad depth holds up, will be there or thereabouts come the season's end. Laurie. Was that you touching on wood again, Carl? It was. It was. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, one more Christmas wish for Manchester United. What have you got? Uh, is it a bit of a wishy-washy one to say, I just want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to have a nice 2021? Um, I, I think I, I think where I'm at with this is, yeah, he got relegated with Cardiff. He was a manager at Mulder and, you know, the new regulations after Brexit around managers and players, would he have been able to take the Manchester United job? I don't know. I, I have looked into it a bit and I think you can read it either way. But... The fact that he has that affiliation with United and clearly cares about the club 
it just means a bit more, I think, when you see him celebrate or, or when the team does well, because he clearly knows his stuff. He's a deep thinker out the game, and yeah, he might call some situations incorrectly, but you know, I think any manager would. And yeah, he, you know, people will say, could another manager get more out of this Manchester United team? Possibly, yeah, quite, quite possibly. I, I don't know. You know, it, it, is, it is a unknown question because. You, until they're in that situation, until they're actually working in the structure that Manchester United have got, until they're dealing with these players who have egos, you know, justifiably so, you, you don't actually know. And so that's why I would actually just quite like Solskjaer to do win, a, win a trophy with United because I think it would be an incredible buzz. And any, any player, any manager that comes into United now, if it happens, would have to then re-establish that kind of bond with with the fans, with, mm-hmm. with uh, the supporter group, and it would take a bit of time. It wouldn't necessarily be an overnight fix, like you know we, we're all behind you know a certain manager that that might come in. So I think whilst you've got this guy that actually is in charge of the club, that clearly you've got a bond with, just go with it. It's not it, it, you know. It's, it's a decent position. I look at the table and I know you were touched on before, you know, it's, at the moment they're on two points per game ratio, which was always something I sort of looked at, you know, from, you know, growing up where I thought if United have got two points per game ratio, they're in the title race. I mean, they actually won the title in 96, 97 with 75 points from 38 games, which is less than that kind of ratio. You know, the treble season, 79 points from 38 games, not a, not a lot more than two points per game. At the moment, they've got two points per game. Obviously, a game in hand on Liverpool. You don't know what's going to happen. Liverpool do look pretty good. But if United are in touch, you know, they play each other in January, you never know. They, they could win that game. They can beat any team, really, on their day. So, anyway, long answer, I know. <laughs> you kept it short with your second one. I've, I've, I've rambled on here, but I want Solskjaer to have a good 2021. It's more likely to happen than it's not. I'm going to say Solskjaer's... He's done two years as Manchester United manager. And right now, if you gave me a shiny penny to bet, I'd bet on him lasting a third, for sure. Andy, well, you, you did a good survey, didn't you, Carl? You, you had the survey and it, it came back with quite positive, pretty much, reactions, right? You know, the the, the good job, 46.1%. I'm looking at it now. Again, I'm rattling off these stats because I've got them on my page right in front of me. Uh, average job, 43.9%. But bad you know, bad job and, 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 uh, and worse job, you know, smaller segments. So... Uh, it seems like generally the f- fans are behind him, although it do- it can change, can't it? It can change. I imagine if I redid that survey after the Leeds game, it had taken a little spike. I'm enjoying this podcast episode that you've become the stats man. Normally it's the roles reversed. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I've got them right in front of my face. I can't ignore them. <laughs> ah, I see. Right, Andy, Christmas wish. One more thing for Manchester United. What you got for me? I'd like Edinson Cavani to be the player I hope he can be at Old Trafford. More of a as Latan than a Falcao. Not just for what he does, like we've seen at Goodison, with scoring those world-class goals, but also being an influence on the younger players. I want people like Mason Greenwood and Brandon Williams, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, to see every day what it's like watching a proven winner who's been there and, and done that who's renowned for being a fantastic trainer. I just hope that his influence um, can be a sustained one, that he gets, uh, that he becomes a, a big influence in the team and plays more minutes than he's had so far. I've just seen some really encouraging signs with him, but, but not enough. Um, I'll pick out Southampton away, even his movement for the goal at Everton in the league game. And then, of course, that goal against Everton in, in the Carabao Cup. So, yeah, 
Cavani cost a lot of money, he's on big wages and hopefully can become a major figure in the dressing room like Zlatan was because Paul Pogba's been that figure and I'd say for better, for worse with Paul Pogba for reasons we've spoken about many, many times. So I hope that Cavani can be a force for good uh, for Manchester United because it is a team which is lacking serial winners uh, and at times looks like it lacks characters as well. He's a winner and he's a character. He doesn't speak English yet, so people are just going to have to follow him by what he does rather than what he says. <laughs> I do enjoy how uh, Anthony Martial and Paul Pogba are speaking to him in, in fluent French and a little bit of Spanish as well. So I think um, Cavani's doing okay in the language stakes for now. Listeners, to those listening just before Christmas and afterwards, please tweet us. Let us know what your Christmas wishes are for Manchester United for 2021 as well. Uh, I do have one further question for our guests. Um, we're just going to name our favourite article of 2020 for that we've done for The Athletic. It's been a very, very strange year. Uh, there was a good chunk of time, I think 110 days, where there was no football whatsoever, which, thinking about it, just seems absolutely aiding considering now we're getting a game of football every three days or so. But... I really, really enjoyed reading the work of both Laurie and Andy in 2020. Uh, I only started ranking with Manchester United around about September time. So I've had a little bit of way to catch up, but I think I'm doing okay. So I want to ask you this one first to you, Andy. Uh, what's been your favourite piece to write for The Athletic this year? I like the piece. I don't like sort of bigging up the the work that you've done. I think it's better for the the readers to, to tell you what they've um, enjoyed. I found a real, um, I think there's a niche with writing about the youth set up at Manchester United and I've been surprised at the feedback when I've interviewed people like Neil Ward um, and Anthony Alanga and some of the, the names that are not big names, uh, Neil Ryan, um, and found that there's a real interest in that and that struck me. I didn't realise how much interest there was. Um, I enjoyed going to see Morgan Schneiderlin in in Nice. He didn't have a good time at Old Trafford, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't be interesting. And a piece I did about Gary Neville's time in Valencia. I really enjoyed writing that. I wasn't sure how it'd go down because when you write sort of really personal stuff, it can go either way. But I think when you're very close to a story, sometimes years later you can you can write and reflect on that. So they'd be some of the ones that I would I would uh, I'd pick out. Laurie, you've written a lot this year. Um, I sometimes wonder how on earth you do it. You either don't sleep or have a clone or drink way too much coffee. Red Bull and Carabao. Hey, ooh, ooh, ooh! You've named them both. <laughs> What's been your favourite athletic article this year? Well, yeah, unlike Andy, I've got absolutely no qualms in bigging myself up. So, um, yeah, I've written so many fantastic pieces. No, the, the the piece I enjoyed the most writing was about the Glazers, um, just because it goes to the heart, really, about what Manchester United is right now as a club. And also, it was enjoyable to do, you know, to, to refresh my mind, to, to speak to people who were there at the coalface as the takeover happened, to 
you know, hear a few gossipy bits about it and to kind of put it on paper, to, to, to listen to people that, that work with the Glazers to kind of get a real understanding as to what their motivations were behind running the club. And I know that the actual sexy stuff, the meaningful stuff is what happens on the pitch. Um, but obviously it all traces back to the guys at the top of the club. And that's why I felt that the, uh, the piece had value and I enjoyed writing it. It felt like, you know, sort of proper journalism. Also, it was 10,000 words. And uh, <laughs> if you you'd have told me you know 18 months ago before the athletic started that I'd write a piece with 10,000 words I definitely would not have believed you so I'm kind of you know proud of myself for managing to, to complete it. and I'm proud of anyone that manages to get to the end of it um, you, you can read it in segments you can it comes back on the app to the point which you left off you know if you want to go to the loo uh, and then come back you know and go back to it again uh, for your next trip uh, that is the piece that I enjoyed the most uh, what, what would you say Carl for yours? Oh, I'd say, well, for yours, I'd say you've also done no, a fantastic piece yours. on Matt Judge. <laughs> I'm going to give you some flowers there. I think Thank what you, you did on Matt Judge was really, really good. There was, there's maybe only one real photograph of him. Uh, yeah, it's very United difficult. Duty. Yeah, that, that was a, that was an issue. The, the the guys, the editors said, can you ask United for a picture of Matt Judge? And given he wants to stay, you know, fairly anonymous, uh, asking them for an actual picture well, you know, wasn't going to happen really. You know, they, they, he wasn't going to pose for anything. Let's put it right like that. <laughs> but I think that's a fantastic piece. I also think you did a great piece uh, along with David Ornstein and others um, regarding what happened in the summer with Jaden Sancho. So I, w- yes. I would heartily recommend those pieces. I, I should readers. add actually, yeah, sorry, sorry <laughs> with the Glazer piece, Adam Crafton, uh, Danny Taylor, Ollie Kay, and Matt Slater also, you know, assisted on that. So I should give them props. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it quite short and sweet uh, with my piece because I've, I've written the, the fewest number of United pieces so far. So it's one I did last month where I asked Ollie before the Champions League game, I said, what's your long-term vision for the club? And he gave quite a really good answer. So I went off and I fact-checked it. Um, I have been told that those at Manchester United found it quite funny that I tried to get Ollie to explain his entire coaching philosophy in two minutes in a press conference. <laughs> so hopefully sometime uh, if... In a non-COVID timeline, if we're allowed proper pre-season and we're allowed to travel with Manchester United, I might yeah. finally get Ollie face-to-face in front of a whiteboard and we can talk X's and O's and inside to outruns and defensive midfielders one day. So, fingers crossed for 2021. Rest assured, we will be covering transfers when the transfer window opens up, so don't worry about that. Um, you can find us all on Twitter. Uh, please be nice, because right, it's nice to be nice. Other than that, <laughs> it's getting quite late and it's almost Christmas Eve. So, uh, I think we're going to let my lovely guests go. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, Laurie. Thank you, Carl. Cheers, Andy. Thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> thank you very much, Andy. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Laurie. And thanks for everybody listening. <laughs> thank you, listener. Thank you for listening so much to Talk of the Devils throughout this year. Uh, we're going to be back sometime in 2021. And so all I have left to say is uh, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. <laughs>